welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So, so, so glad to be before you this morning. I'm incredibly excited. Uh, This morning we are uh, continuing our Advent series. Uh, This is the Sunday before uh, the Christmas season. And so uh, I'm excited just to stand before you and and bring God's word. And so why don't you do me a favor, if you would, if you've got your your family nearby, why don't you grab them? Uh, If if you happen to be by yourself, just stand on them. I want you guys to stand up with me, grab your Bibles and open up to uh, Matthew chapter 2. I'm I'm excited this morning as we continue on with our Advent series, Who is the King of Glory? Um, And and I know Pastor Pastor E has been laying out um, the the Advent calendar, right? And, 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 And this week we fall on the theme of joy. And so I'm excited to to talk about this morning. Uh, what it looks like in relation to the coming of our King and our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ and the joy that fills our hearts become of it. So I hope you're there, Matthew uh, chapter two, whether you got your, your iPad, your iPhone or, or, or your Bible. You notice I didn't say anything about Androids, um, but, but I hope you got your devices with you. Matthew chapter two, beginning at verse one, we're going to read down through verse 12. Here we go. After Jesus was born... In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And so he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes and the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because that is what was written by the prophet. Uh, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I, too, can go and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And it was and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. And it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. This morning, I just want to tag our text. I'm only here to worship. I'm only here to worship. You know, you know, the old saints used to sing a song and say, I, I don't know what you came to do, but, but I'm only here to worship. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that we have the privilege and opportunity to, to look back in the corridors in history and see what's been done. That, that we, we get to look back by faith and see that Jesus was born of a virgin 
in the town of Bethlehem, that that he is indeed the king of the Jews, but not just of the Jews, but king of the whole world. And so, God, we rejoice this morning. We are overwhelmed with joy this morning as we celebrate your coming, as we celebrate the good gift that God gave to us when he did not even spare his own son by sending him to earth to complete a mission of obedience, to live righteously, to fulfill the law so that he might die on the cross on our behalf. And so, God, we stand here this morning united in joy in one spirit under one God and our Lord, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. I'm only here to worship. You know, as we as we come up on the the, the Christmas season, I, um, I, I I always look back to a particular memory uh, that, that I have of, of one special Christmas. And this this Christmas for me will always go down as one of the best Christmases uh, that, that I ever had. And, and, and I got to admit, it didn't start off that way. I remember uh, waiting up late at night with anticipation and, and, and as soon as the, the sun broke open the sky that next morning, I, I, I came down the stairs and, and I couldn't believe it. To my surprise, in, in the middle of uh, the, the, the living room, underneath the Christmas tree where, where my gifts were, because you know, on Christmas morning, I'm not, I wasn't worried about anybody else's gifts, I was worried about what was there for me, right? And I, and I had to be like eight or nine years old at, at this point in time, but I, but I see it as I'm making my way down the steps. It is a, it's a blue wrestling ring. And it, it had the red, white and blue striped uh, wrestling ropes going around the ring and 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 there was a, a little championship belt that you could attach to the side and an American flag that you put in one of the wrestling poles and in the mess in the middle of that wrestling ring there was Hulk Hogan the Hulk, Hulk uh, the immortal Hulk Hogan now I, I've told y'all before if you've been paying any attention that I, I used to love wrestling, man. I, I was a huge uh, uh, WWF fan. That wrestling was life. And you couldn't tell me it was fake. I, I, saw, I saw the blood, sweat, and tears. I saw the anguish in their faces when they were body slammed on the canvas. I, I know that it was real. But, but I, I remember seeing that wrestling ring and, and seeing Hulk Hogan in the middle of the wrestling ring and what should have been a joyous occasion immediately in my heart. Do you know what I, do you know what I was saying? Uh, for, for some reason, I, I thought to myself, this woman got the nerve, now, now you can't say that, I'm just going to be culturally relevant here, you can't say that out loud in a black home uh, because you won't be able to think no more. And, 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 and so, but, I, but in my mind, I remember saying, this, this woman got the nerve to give me one wrestler? Who he gonna wrestle? And, 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 and I just remember just being so just inflamed with, in, with indignance, I don't even know if that's a word, but, I, but I'm going to use it, in, with indignance that she would get me one wrestler in this wrestling ring and, 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 and I'm just supposed to play with him by himself? Who he's supposed to do the big leg drop on or the big boot? And, and so, so little did I know, after pouting on the floor for a couple of minutes, here comes my mom sneaking up behind me with a trash bag full of about 40 other wrestlers that she dumps on the floor. And in that pile of wrestlers was, was one of my favorites. Uh, his, his name was Brett the Hitman Hart. And he, he was probably the greatest technical wrestler that, that ever stepped in the squared circle. And, and, and 
Bret Hart used to have a saying, right? When he became champion, he used to have the saying, he, he, would, he would talk his little trash and then he would point to himself and say, it's because I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And, 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 and I, 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 it's, it's, as, I, as, I, as I hear that, as I hear him saying that in my mind as I'm older, uh, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that, that, that Brett the Hitman Hart was reading from the prophets. Because, because if you're familiar with the prophets at all, then you would know that God was preparing his people for a king who would come. From, from the line of David, born of a virgin, who would be categorically different than any other king the world has ever known. His, his rule would be just and righteous. His, his rule would usher in peace previously unknown. His rule would be from everlasting to everlasting. See, long before Brett the hitman heart ever stepped foot in the squared circle, God through the prophets had already declared that there was a king coming and he was the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. See, when Jesus becomes your king, only then will you experience unending satisfaction in God. And so that, that, that's, that's, that's all this is about is that, that Jesus, in Jesus Christ, we have this king, this long-awaited one, who, this one who was promised to come, this one who would be different than every other king before or every other king to come after. When you make him your king, it's only then that you'll experience the unending satisfaction of joy in God. I, I, I want you to look down at verse one with me. Bible says, Matthew writes, he says, he says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east showed up in Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Because they saw his star and wanted to worship him. Now, the, the, the first thing that before we get to the wise man, before we get to the, the stars, uh, before they get to uh, what before we get to what we mean when it says that they wanted to worship him. I want to I, I want to take a second to talk about the fact that that G that Matthew here in this first verse tried to sneak something past us. He said after Jesus was born. In, in Bethlehem. Now, in, in chapter one, Matthew told the story. He began to open up his narrative about about how there was this little girl named Mary and this guy named Joseph and they were engaged. They were betrothed to get married. And and and, and she got she turned up pregnant out of nowhere, seemingly. And Joseph was about to divorce her and get rid of her. But then an angel came to him and said, nah, you good keeper. That baby is from the Lord. They have this baby. The baby is born. His name is Jesus. And now we get here in chapter two. And now the baby has been born in Bethlehem of Judea. Bethlehem of Judah. It's significant because Bethlehem was also a place in uh, uh, in Nazareth. But but the, the, here uh, Matthew is making sure that there's a distinctiveness between that Bethlehem and this Bethlehem because the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem, the Bethlehem of David's hometown. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah about six miles south, southeast of Jerusalem, where David, King David, was born. Now, if I could take a parenthetical pause here, I, I, I just, I, I, 
I want to take us a little deeper. And I know Matthew is not saying this. I know this isn't what Matthew's getting at here. But even though Matthew here states that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, I, I, I want to make sure that we understand as we read the text that even though he was born in this location, even though he was born to Mary and he was born to Joseph, even though he was born in Bethlehem, that's not where he's from. See, see, Jesus may have been born in Bethlehem and he may have been Joseph's boy who was raised down in Nazareth and he may have even begun his ministry in Galilee. But guess what? That's not where he's from. See, the Bible says that he was in the beginning with God and that he was God. The Bible says that all things have been created through him and for him, that his goings forth are from old and from everlasting. Isaiah calls him the eternal father. And John records that that Abraham saw his day and was glad. Revelation says that he is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And so though I agree with Matthew's testimony and it's true that Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem, that's not where he's from. See, when, when, when time met eternity, he was already there because his, his origins precede his birth. The, the, his birth is not the beginning of his existence. For, for Jesus, this, this Christ, this king of the Jews has always existed. And so it says, Jesus, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the kings in the days of King Herod. And and that wise men came from the east. These these wise men would have been originally referred to or, or, or referred to as a, a priestly caste that came from ancient Persia. And 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 there were some Babylonian elements mixed in with some of their practices that introduced astrology and demonology and wisdom and and magic. And and so Matthew inserting their presence into this narrative is relatively significant because magi was not a favorable term in the Judeo-Christian world. And and so because of their practices, because of the nature of uh, their occult practices or their worship of other deities uh, uh, other than God, their insertion into this narrative would not have been a welcome one for the Jew because of how the magi would have been viewed in the Jewish community. Nonetheless, Matthew, it makes it clear that 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 not only were the Magi present, but but they are also the first ones to give honor and announce the coming of this king. We, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to get to there into, to, in, in, in a second. But but the Bible says they arrived from the east looking to worship this king of the Jews. Right. They, they didn't know who he was, but they said that they saw his star rise in the east. And so they came to worship him. Now, now, this wouldn't have been uncommon because re- remember the, the Jews in, in, in the Old Testament, they they were sent into exile un- under the uh, uh, under the Assyrians and then the Babylonians took over and then the Persians. And 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 when the, the return came, when the people, some of the Jews returned back to Jerusalem, not all of them returned. Some of them stayed in the east. And, 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 and made communities there. There were Jewish communities there. And so the Gentile religious leaders uh, from those areas would have been regularly exposed to Hebrew scriptures, to prophecy and to teachers. And so it wouldn't have been surprising 
for these Gentile uh, pagan uh, religious leaders, uh, magicians and astrologers to have some sort of familiarity with, with this idea of a coming Messiah, a coming king of the Jews. And so it's not surprising that the Magi begin their inquiries in Jerusalem. So oftentimes the, the, the seeing or the, the, the recognition of a formerly unseen star meant the birth or the exaltation of, of, of some great figure that was to come. And so whatever this star was, whatever it looked like, they saw the star in, from the east and they went to it. And they, they would have known that, that this star would have taken them to Jerusalem because they would have probably been familiar with Balaam's prophecy in Numbers chapter 24 where it says a star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. And so when they see this star, they say, man, man, for some, something told them that this is the star that we need to go follow. And so they grab up, they, they gather up their stuff, they, they get their caravan together and they begin to make their trek to Israel and they go to the capital city of Jerusalem because assuredly that's where they would be able to find out more information about who this king of the Jews is. And so they arrive in Jerusalem, they get there and, and, and they say, where is this king of the Jews? Because we've come to worship him. We've come to pay homage to him. And, 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 uh, and, 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 and then Herod jumps into the picture. Uh, we're introduced to King Herod for the first time in this narrative. And, and, and the Bible's first uh, description of what Herod is like is Herod hears this information that there are magi who have showed up looking for the king of the Jews and he already gets shook. Bible says that he gets deeply disturbed and the rest of Jerusalem with him, which we'll get to in a second. But but one of the things that that, that I think is is interesting is the, that the grammatical construction of the of the Magi's question to Herod, where is the king of the Jews or where is the king of the Jews or where he where has he been born? It, it makes it clear that what they're asking is where is the child that has legitimate claim to the throne? Because the text doesn't tell you this, but Herod was an Idumean. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a full Jew, which means he and he wasn't from the line of David, which means he didn't have legitimate claim to the throne. And so what they're asking is they're not just saying, where is the next king of the Jews supposed to be born? What they're asking is, where is the king of the Jews whose throne this belongs to. And so, of, of course, of course, Herod starts getting shook. But, but look, look, look what it says. it says. It says, not only that Herod was shook, but it says all Jerusalem with him. Now, 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 it's, it's that, that, that word deeply disturbed, it, it means, it, it could mean greatly agitated or, or mental and emotional distress. They're, they're, when these magi came looking for this king of the Jews, it just shook up the entire city. Now, it's, it's interesting because that, that gives us a small reminder to what happens later in Jesus's life when he enters in Jerusalem for the final time uh, um, and he marches in. And the, and the Bible says that the, 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 the entire city was stirred up 
Upon his arrival, as they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they threw uh, palm leaves down on the ground. And so it seems like this idea when whenever Jesus's name comes up among the religious elite, there is a stirring up. But 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 it says they were greatly disturbed. That they were greatly disturbed. And 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 Herod, Herod, Herod says. He says, he says. To the chief priest, he grabs the chief priests and the scribes and and the people and and asks them where the Christ would be born, right? And so so the the the, the great thing about this is um, the Magi when they come to Jerusalem, what do they ask? They ask, "Where is he who is born King of the Jews?" And what does Herod ask about where this child will be born? He says, "Where is the Christ to be born?" Which means that that the Jewish community would have tied together this idea of the king of the Jews and a messianic figure. It, it would not have been foreign to use those terms interchangeably so that they understood that there was something divine about this individual who would be who was prophesied to be king of the Jews. And, and, and so 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 as 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 Herod asked this question, uh, he gets all of his uh, religious leaders together, all of the people who he can go to, who he knows would probably know this answer, which tells you how unfamiliar Herod himself is with the word of God. He, he's supposed to be leading God's people, but but he himself does not know that that's a whole nother conversation anyway. But 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 anyway, he asked the people, where where is the Christ to be born? And then uh, they say in Bethlehem of Judea. It's interesting that that we see this same term used for Bethlehem in verse one when it says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And then here in verse five, it says in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him because this was what was written by the prophet. And then Matthew uh, begins to quote from. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 and 2nd Samuel 2nd Samuel chapter 5 and and he says and you Bethlehem and then he adds a little bit to the text he says in the land of Judah are by no means the least now now here, there's a few things here what one is that uh, Matthew inserts the phrase in the land of Judah right now now it's it's clear that Ma Matthew does not need to communicate that this is the distinct Bethlehem uh, in Judah as opposed to in Nazareth his audience would have already known that this Bethlehem was in the land of Judah and so what Matthew has in mind here is not necessarily about physical location what he has in mind is Matthew wants to make it absolutely clear that you know that Jesus comes from royal blood it's not so much about the location, even though that matters. He's saying, no, I want you to know that Jesus comes from the line of Judah. He has rightful. He has the right to proclaim the throne. But 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 it, but he also says that that, that Bethlehem uh, of Judah, you are no by, by no means the least because there's this ruler that's going to come from out of you. And so even though Bethlehem was a, a small uh, little grimy city, uh, the, 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 because of who came from Bethlehem, because of who was to come from Bethlehem, Bethlehem would be honored and exalted beyond its normal status. Then he quotes from 2 Samuel chapter 5, he says, because of, of you, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. 
And, 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 and so and, and so here the, the, the scribes and the, and the chief priests and the people, they, they begin to tell Herod and tell the Magi, well, based on uh, what we understand from prophecy, the, 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 the king of the Jews, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is to come will be born in a town called Bethlehem. And so now the Magi who have come to, to worship this, this child, they've, they've now been able to narrow down where they're going. And, 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 but, 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 but here's the thing, even though they know where they're going now, because they've gotten to Israel and they've gone to the capital city of Jerusalem, but the Israel is too large to just be wandering around trying to figure out who this king of the Jews is. And so they, they needed to narrow down their search. And so, so here, here they are now with getting a little bit more information. Okay, the, 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 the Israelite king of the Jews is not in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. Where is Bethlehem? Well, Bethlehem's only six more miles. That's not a long distance. We can get there in a couple hours. And so before they leave, the Bible says that Herod secretly summons them and asks about the exact time that the star appears because he says that he wants to go and worship them too, or worship the king too. Now it's, it's interesting that, 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 that Herod, um, Herod was, was already known for being the, the type of king who was somewhat paranoid. Because uh, Herod is the same guy that um, you know, Herod, Herod had like 10 kids. He had a bunch of wives or he had 10 wives. He had a bunch of kids and his kids were always fighting for who would be next to take over his throne. And, and so as Herod got older, he got real paranoid, paranoid to the point where he ended up executing and imprisoning and torturing family members, specifically one, one of his wives and two of his sons. Right. This is how paranoid he would get. You see later in chapter two that he's so paranoid about the fact that this Messiah, this Christ has been born, that this one who would end up taking what he thinks is his throne that that he ends up killing all the kids who are two years old and under so so Herod is concerned about the fact that he's going to have to give up his power he's concerned about the fact that he's going to have to give up his position he's he's concerned for fear of his life and 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 so do, does it seem even plausible that Herod really wants to go and worship this king what king do you know would go worship some unknown king that's not a part of his family and is supposed to be his successor? What king is going to do that? Luckily for Herod, these wise men, these wise men, these magi, they didn't, they didn't know much about his, his character. They, they didn't know much about the fact that he was not a trustworthy person, that he was paranoid and that none of the Jews actually liked him. But, but here's another thing. So Herod has this conversation secretly with the Magi and, and, and then they get ready to leave. And, and so they leave and, 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 and they get ready to go search for the child. But, but isn't it interesting that none of the other religious leaders from Jerusalem went with them to find the Messiah? This, this is, from a Jewish perspective, the one that they've been waiting for. This is the one that has been prophesied about over and over and over again. 
and yet not one of them even thinks to accompany the Magi to find out who the Messiah is. This, this gives us great insight into the, the spiritual health of the, the religious leadership of Israel's day. And, and, and it's, 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 it's so funny that, that, that they have aligned themselves so much politically with Herod that if his power base is threatened, so is theirs. I, I know that don't sound like no leadership we have today. I know that doesn't sound like no religious leadership we have today that politically aligns themselves with someone and only stays true to them because of their power base. I, I, I know we don't have people who would reject God's word and the truth of God's word simply for a couple dollars and some power and some privilege. I, I know we don't have religious leaders like that today. That not, not one of them went with the Magi to find the Messiah so they could worship him. And, and, and so, so, so then the, the Bible says that, that, that Herod says, go search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so I too can go worship. And so after listening to the king meeting with the king, the Magi then leave. And it says they went out and went on its way. But then something happens. That, that star that they saw when they were in the east over Israel, that star appears again. And it says in verse 9, it says that, and there it was, almost like it came out of nowhere. There it was, this star, the star that they had seen at its rising. It, it, it just showed up. Now, now it's, it's interesting because there are a couple of different uh, thoughts about what could have, what, what the star could possibly have been. Because you know, not, not saying that it couldn't have been um, just a, a natural, it, 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 it couldn't have been just a natural occurrence. Like, like that God timed it so or, or that God used a natural occurrence to, to lead the Magi. But, 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 but there's, there's a couple of possibilities on the table. Uh, some, some think that it's a, a planetary conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. And there, there's a lot of meaning behind Saturn and Jupiter in the ancient world that would have depicted or pointed to it, uh, this star representing uh, the Judea area, right? Uh, some believe that it could have been a comet like Halley's Comet or, or even a supernova, which is a star uh, that explodes and, and temporarily has extraordinary brightness. And so, so it, had the star just been sitting in the sky and they just followed the direction of the, or they just went to where the star was, that could be one thing. But then we get to verse 9, and, and based on the description of what the star does, it seems, there, there seems to be something extraordinary about it. That there seems to be something that this star does that, that, that we haven't seen as a natural occurrence, which makes me believe that, that God was supernaturally leading the way of the Magi to where he wanted them to go. Because look, look what it says. It says, there, was, there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. Now look what it says. It says, and it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. Now, it's, it's difficult to reconstruct how any form of star could lead someone, go ahead of them, and then stop and remain over the place where the child was. I, I, I don't have any answers about it. I didn't see the star myself. I, I, I don't know enough about astrology to tell you whether or not this could be possible, but it seems sort of a far-fetched stretch to say that some natural star just led them and stopped without the hand of God moving it. 
So the, the Bible says that it stopped over the place, above the place where the child was. Now, now this is this is this is great because they, they knew they had the information based on Micah chapter five. They knew that the child was to be born in Bethlehem, but they didn't know exactly in Bethlehem where the child was. And, and so they needed the guidance, the help of this supernatural star to stop over the place where the child was. And it says that that, that when they saw this place. They were overwhelmed with joy. Put, put yourself, put yourself in their shoes for just a minute. The, these, these aren't even the covenant people of God, but there's, there's something significant enough about what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've read to take them on this journey from wherever they are in their eastern land to the west, to Israel, to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, following the star that they know not where it sends them to rest over a home looking for a king that is not theirs, a Messiah that is not theirs, following a law that is not theirs. And yet when they get to the place where they see it, they are overwhelmed with joy. I just want to lay my eyes on it. I'm kind of jealous of the Magi right now because they got to the place where he was and they hadn't even walked in the house yet. And the Bible says that they were overwhelmed with great joy because they knew that they were there. They knew that they had gotten to the place where they could lay their eyes on him. I don't know about you, but I just want to get to the place where I can see him. Do you ever think about it? What, what it's going to be like when, when the eyes that he created get to lay hold of him? Do, do you ever think about it? What it's going to be like when you, get to, when you get to put your hands on his scars? When you get to touch the, the nail prints that were just for me? When you get to touch the piercing in his side that was just for me? He says, when that day comes, there will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more tears. He said there will only be people of God who are overwhelmed with joy. What will you do when you see him? Says, says they, verse 11, they entered the house. They entered the house and they, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Notice the Magi see both of them, but they only worship him. See, they, they, they see Mary there, but they only direct their worship to him. Now, now it's, it's probably doubtful that these men would have fully understood the nature of the incarnation. And yet, yet somehow their worship seems to go beyond their full understanding. Isn't it funny how these men, these Gentile pagan men, are the first ones from anywhere to come and see this child and look for him and acknowledge that he's the king and then worship him. See, this is one of the themes that run through the book of Matthew. 
that, that, that there's, this, there's this idea that this God of the Jews, that this Yahweh who sends his Messiah, who sends his Christ is not just king of the Jews, but is king of everybody. He's king of the whole world, that he has the whole wide world in his hands, that for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. And so, so it, it's, not, it's not crazy to think that these Gentile pagan religious leaders would be the first ones to come and worship him. I just, I, I love it. I love it. It, 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 it. it communicates that universalist language that Matthew has when it comes to salvation. The salvation is available for all those who believe. And then, and then, and then look, what, look, look what they do. It says the, 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 the Magi, they, they pay him homage. They worship him and they, they present him with gifts. They says they, 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 they open treasures. Right now, they, they present him with gifts, but it says they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, with with gold and with frankincense and with myrrh. And they, these were these were not inexpensive gifts. These were not the types of things that a normal Jewish family would be able to afford. But but I, I, I love that the Magi homage to Jesus reflects Elsewhere in the Bible, there, there's some thought that, that that what is transpiring here as they give gifts in in worship to Jesus, that 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 it, it brings to mind texts like Psalm 72, 10. May the kings of Tarsus and the coasts and islands bring tribute. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, caravans and of camels will cover your land and young camels of Midian and of Ephah. All of them will come from Sheba and they will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. And, and probably even more than that is what, what's, what comes to mind is uh, when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon and she brought gifts with her to present to Solomon. And so there is there's this there's this beautiful biblical reflection that we see in the rest of scripture that points to this idea of these foreign dignitaries coming to pay homage to the king of Israel. They presented him gifts. Now, now, now these, these gifts indicate a, a great amount of esteem that they have for this child. And, 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 and these are affluent gifts that are reserved only for a king. You don't just give these gifts to anybody. Now, now I, I, got, I got four kids, and this is the time of year where you give gifts. And I don't know about you, but I give age-appropriate gifts to my kids. I'm not giving my kids a $500 PlayStation 5. My son loves video games. But guess what? He's only seven. $500 ain't age appropriate. Uh, so I, I, I have to get him something that's appropriately in his price range. You want this $23 game that's on sale? You got it. You want this $10 action figure? You got it. I, I, I'm not spending all that money for a non-age appropriate gift. But, but look what the Magi do. They, they give him gifts that are only fit for a king. 
And, and the beautiful thing about it is that, that they are, they are positioned, <laughs> they, they are positioned appropriate. Be, because though he may only be a baby, though he may only be less than two years old right now, they have to offer him gifts that are appropriate for his position. And they've acknowledged through the gifting of this gold and this frankincense and this myrrh that he ain't just no regular toddler. He don't just be walking around biting crayons and, and, and all that nonsense. This this toddler is the king. So, so they, they give him what you would give a king. You, you don't show up to the king's house without a kingly appropriate gift. Because they gave him gifts for a king. So that after, after they uh, gave him these gifts, they, they got ready to make their way, on, they made, make their way back on home. And, and the Bible says that they were, be, they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but to return to their own country by another route. There, there's, there's much you could say about what transpired with uh, God supernaturally visiting them in a dream, whether through messenger or angel or however God does it. But uh, there's much that you can say about what transpired in verse 12. But, but all I want to make mention of is the fact that God was divinely at work protecting Jesus from death. You, 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 want, you, want, you, you want to know why? Because his time had not yet come. There's, there's a beautiful thing at work here when we begin to explore this idea of God's timing in relation to Jesus' life. Because Galatians in chapter 4 says that he came at the right time. That when the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons he came at the right time and then throughout his earthly ministry there were numerous times where the people because of what Jesus was teaching because he was trying to get them to understand that he was indeed this king of the Jews this Messiah this Christ because he kept telling that he was going to live and then die and then be raised again because they would not believe that he was king they often tried to find ways to kill him uh, but the Bible would always say that Jesus would just slip away because it was not yet his time. But, but, but then when you get to the end of Matthew, when you get to the end of Mark, when you get to the end of Luke, when you get to the end of John, we see what that time actually is. And Romans chapter 5 begins to summarize for us the beauty of what it means when we think about time from God's perspective. Because in Romans chapter 5 verse 6 it says, for while we were still sinners at the right time, Christ died for us. All I'm here to say is that, that when you think about the king when you think about this Messiah who was to come he had great timing because he came when he was supposed to and he stayed while he was supposed to and when it came time for him to die he died when he was supposed to but guess what you should be overwhelmed with joy because while you were still a sinner guess what it was the right time it wasn't the right time when you got yourself together it was the right time while you still was trash it wasn't the right time when you got your marriage in order it wasn't the right time when you got your bills in order it wasn't the right time when you got your parenting in order it says while you were still sinners 
separated from the love of God. He said it was the right time. And so it's no wonder that when the Magi approached the house where the star was, that they were overwhelmed with joy. They didn't even know all this. They didn't know all this. They just knew that they were where they were supposed to be because where they were was where God was. And because they were where God was, they were filled and overwhelmed with joy. And so my, my brother and my sister, all, all, all I want to know is when it, when it comes to who you have placed on the throne of your heart, is the right king there? And does the king that's sitting upon the throne of your heart give you unending satisfaction with God that causes you to be overwhelmed with joy? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we thank you, Lord. Is there much else to even say? But that we thank you. Your plan had been in motion since eternity past. That you would send your son. That he would take on an additional nature wrapped in flesh. That the king of glory would have to depend on a womb to be born from. He would have to depend on a bosom to be fed from. He would have to depend on air to enter into his lungs. The very things that he created, he would have to depend on for life. Just so he could do something that we could never do on our own. God, we thank you. I am overwhelmed with joy this morning because I know that there's only one king who is worthy to sit on the throne. And that same king died on a cross for me. I am overwhelmed with joy. And so God, we say thank you. We give praise to your name and we give honor to the one in whom honor is due, your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have it with you, I'm going to invite you during this time to join me for communion as we reflect and celebrate what has been done for us on our behalf. And so on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together. And afterwards, he took the cup and said, this is my blood, which has been poured out for the remission of sins. He said, I, I, I will not drink this until I drink it again with you in my kingdom. Let's drink together.
But we thank you for joining us this morning. We're so grateful that you came and worshiped with us in song, worshiped with us in giving, worshiped with us through the proclamation of the word. We pray that you would enjoy your holidays. Everybody be safe. We love you. God bless you. We can't wait to see you next week. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.